Our scripture this morning comes from the, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 8 through 17. Listen now to God's word. Once when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he took counsel with his officers. He said, at such, such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, take care not to pass this place because the Arameans are going down there. The king of Israel sent word to the place of which the man of God spoke. More than once or twice he warned such a place so that it was on alert. The mind of the king of Aram was greatly perturbed because of this. He called his officers and said to them, Now tell me, who among us sides with the king of Israel? Then one of his officers said, No one, my lord king. It is Elisha, the prophet in Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. He said, Go and find where he is. I will send and seize him. He was told, He is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots there and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. His servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? He replied, do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for stories that teach us about you, that teach us about the ways you have been with your people in history, and that teach us about who you are and how you are with us today. Speak to us this morning and open our ears, open our eyes and our hearts to receive your word. Amen. So we are in this sermon series. It's, this is the last week of this four-week sermon series. It's quite out of the ordinary for our church and definitely out of the ordinary for me. And that is using Disney songs, songs from Disney movies, to illustrate a, a biblical truth. And so we looked at the song Remember Me from Coco. And we looked at a, a song from Toy Story and last week we looked at the circle of life from Lion King. Uh, but today we're looking at uh, the movie of all movies as far as I'm concerned. When it comes to animated movies, Aladdin stands above the rest. When I was a kid, Aladdin was my favorite. I loved Abu. I constantly laughed at, at Abu. Uh, I really liked the genie. Will Smith did a good job, but, but no one is Robin Williams when it comes to the genie. Uh, and young Jeremy was also quite fond of Princess Jasmine. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a look at this one song in particular from the movie Aladdin, uh, just briefly here at the beginning. Uh, and, and that is the song, A Whole New World. The character of Jasmine, all her life, she was locked up in this, not really locked up, but she never left the, the castle. She lived her life inside the castle walls. And so her whole world was built on what she saw inside the castle walls. 
And there's this pivotal moment in the movie, in this iconic scene, when Aladdin comes and takes J Jasmine out on a magic carpet ride and sings to her, I can show you the world. Now, I'm not going to sing the song for you because I don't have my singing partner in here. She went to Kids on Worship. Um, so I'll save you from having to hear me sing uh, A Whole New World. But if you know this point in the movie, you know that, that Jasmine takes on this kind of different personality from that point forward because she's seen the world in a different way. Her eyes have been opened to seeing a different reality all around her. Okay, now moving from the Disney movie back to the, the biblical story that we read a few moments ago. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this army, the, the Arameans, and they're at war with Israel. And each time they decide where they're going to set up their attack, the Israelites know what's going to happen before it happens. And so the king of the Arameans is frustrated and saying, who is the mole? Like somebody in my council is like revealing to them where we're going to attack. And they're all like, it's not me, it's not me. Finally, one of them speaks up and says, uh, my Lord King, it's Elisha, this prophet of, of God, who knows somehow what you say behind closed doors and is revealing these things to the king of Israel. And so the king of Aram says to himself, well, I need to get Elisha then. And so he says, tell me where he is and we'll go, we'll go get him. And so they tell him, and he sends his army. And it, it makes you wonder at this point in the story, doesn't he realize that if, if Elisha has been overhearing somehow all of the king's plans, he's going to do that again? <laughs> but anyways, he continues to attack and go after Elisha. And the morning of this attack, Elisha's servant wakes up. He goes out and looks around and sees an army. And he is terrified. And he goes to Elisha and he says, Alas! <laughs> Which pretty much just means like, what in the world now? Like, what are we going to do? We are in trouble. <laughs> Alas! What are we going to do? This is his question for Elisha. And so I wonder, for us this morning, have you ever woken up, thought about your day ahead, or thought about your life circumstances, and had a reaction like that? Alas, how am I going to get through this day? How am I going to get through this week or this month or whatever it is you have going on? I know I have felt like that at times. So Elisha's servant asks this question to Elisha. And Elisha's response is amazing. Elisha says, do not be afraid. And I've said this before, when somebody's experiencing an emotion, whether it's fear or sadness or worry, whatever it may be, simply saying, do not have that emotion is extremely unhelpful. If somebody's crying, if you say, don't cry, 
that doesn't really help. If somebody's angry and you say, don't be mad, that doesn't really help, does it? I think we're all kind of aware of this. But Elisha doesn't just say, do not be afraid. He gives him a reason to not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. And at this point in the story, we can use our imagination a little bit to imagine Elisha's servant being like, Elisha, do you have some army I don't know about? Like, what, what's happening? What do you mean there's more with us? Do you see all these horses and this army out there about to attack us? But Elisha says, do not be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. And then Elisha prayed. That's what prophets do. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed. O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so I wonder for myself, how often do I fail to see? How often do I get afraid or worried or whatever it may be when I think about struggles or life circumstances and fail to see where God is at work around me. When we fail to see, we're afraid. But when we see, we're comforted. When we fail to see, we ask, like Elisha's servant, what shall we do? But when we see God at work, we begin to ask, ooh, what's God going to do? When we fail to see, we are overcome when suffering comes. But when we see God at work around us, we can sing, it is well with my soul, even in the midst of suffering. Let me finish the story for you because it gets even cooler from here. The Aramean army continues to push forward and attack. And Elisha prays the opposite prayer for them that he had prayed for his servant. He prayed that his servant's eyes may be opened. And now he prays for God to strike this visiting army with blindness. Most scholars think that this word blindness means not just like a physical blindness, but like a, a confusion to not be able to, to know what's going on. Because as they're attacking, all of a sudden they're confused about where they are. And Elisha says, oh, you're in the wrong place. Come follow me. I'll take you there. And they follow him. Which makes scholars think that they're not like totally blind. They're like blind to their circumstances. So they follow Elisha and he takes them to, like to the middle of their like city where all of their troops are. And now they're surrounded. And the king of Israel asks, Ooh, can I kill them? <laughs> and Elisha says, No. The king of Israel's like, God has delivered my enemy right into our, the middle of our camp. Let's defeat them. 
And Elisha says no. Not only does he say no, he says, cook them a feast and feed them and send them on their way. It's a summary of the rest of, of this story. The very last line says this, and the Arameans no longer came raiding into the land of Israel. It's amazing what God can do. This story comes within uh, a series of stories of Elisha performing miracles. So Elisha is a prophet of God who follows after Elijah, a prophet of God. And there's this series of miracles that he performs. Some of them are quite strange, but notice how some of them have kind of a mirror image in the New Testament with Jesus. Elisha raises a boy from the dead. He feeds a crowd of people with very little food, and there's leftovers. He cures a man of leprosy. And then a few of the strange ones. He purifies a stew that was making people die when they ate it. And he makes an axe float in the river. So it's these series of stories that show that God was with Elisha. And that he was a prophet that could be trusted. This story in particular is powerful. Because it shows what God is capable of. It shows that even in the midst of things that look overwhelming, that God is there. And so Elisha's servant, when he couldn't see, he was afraid. But when God opened his eyes, he saw God at work around him. And I, I begin to wonder about this servant. We're not told about the rest of his life or anything that happens to him after this. But I begin to think about how that changes somebody's perspective once they've seen that. And they realize that God is present with them. And friends, that's a reality for us today. The Gospel of Matthew ends with a really popular scripture, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is part of what's called the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. But it's that last line that really brings this home. Because the Gospel of Matthew ends with Jesus saying, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Raise your hand if you are or have ever been an acolyte. We, I know we sent a lot of our, our children out of the service. How many of you have been an acolyte in a worship service before? A lot of you. So each, each week we have what we call acolytes, and they are third to fifth grade, and there's a training next week if people are interested to become an acolyte. Uh, but the acolytes are the, the children that carry in the candles. They carry in the, the flame, or they, they come over here and get it. The Christ candle symbolizes Christ's presence. But they come up here and they light their candles and bring it over and light these and light those and all of that is done at the beginning of a worship service to signify that God is here in this place. That we are not alone when we come here. That we are not just a group of people gathered here. But we are gathered here in the presence of God. Gathered here in the, same, in the presence of the same God 
that Elisha's servant's eyes were opened to see. And in a few moments, at the end of our service, the acolytes will come in and they will carry the light out with us. They'll extinguish some of these candles, not that one, hopefully. And they'll carry out the light. Because as we go from this place, we acknowledge that God is here, but He's not only here. That God is also with you when you get in your cars in the parking lot. That God is also with you when you go to a restaurant or home, wherever you're going after this. And God is with you in your houses. God is with you when you go to school. God is with you when you go to work. God is with you. Sometimes our eyes are closed to that reality. So it's my prayer this morning, has been all week, that my eyes and your eyes will become more open to God's presence here with us. In just a moment, Mike is going to lead us uh, in the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a classic praise song. But I want that to be our prayer this morning as we close. So Mike, come and lead us and open the eyes of my heart. Lord.